This podcast is brought to you by Reynolds & Reynolds, the industry leader in automotive technology. Learn how operating differently can help you overcome the pressures facing your dealership today at reyrey.com slash operate differently. That's R-E-Y-R-E-Y dot com slash operate dash differently. Welcome to Daily Drive for Thursday, May 25th, 2023. I'm Jake Neer, in for Jamie Butters. And I'm Callan Walker. Today on the show, Mary Barra's surprise trip to China. Stellantis invests in a startup making lithium sulfur EV batteries. And former bitter rivals Waymo and Uber team up. Plus, you probably know Redwood Materials for its EV battery recycling services, but it's also recycling all kinds of other items to get crucial materials for the electrification age. The electrification of the entire fleet in the world and the United States is going to need a lot of batteries. And to build those batteries, you're going to need a lot of battery materials. And that's that's what we're trying to really help impact. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. General Motors CEO Mary Barra has made her first visit to China since the pandemic. The U.S. auto giant is losing ground in China to electric rivals Tesla and BYD. Barra met with Shanghai's leader yesterday, who encouraged GM to step up investments in R&D in the city. That's according to a statement from the municipal government. The financial hub's party chief, Chen Jining, also said the auto industry is a key pillar for Shanghai, and the city will continue to improve its business environment and provide better services for Chinese and international companies. According to the statements, Barra said that China remains a key market for GM, and she looked forward to developing more clean and intelligent cars with its local partners. During the pandemic, GM's deliveries in China dropped from about 3.1 million vehicles in 2019 to 2.3 million last year. Its share of China's new car market fell from 15% in 2015 to below 10% in 2022. UAW President Sean Fain is calling the hundreds of workers on strike against suppliers Clarios and Constellium an inspiration to the entire union and vow to keep supporting them. Fain made the comments in a 30-minute Facebook Live appearance on Wednesday. All these workers are leading the way for all of us right now. Their fights are a strong reminder that the way workers build power and make gains in bargaining is by having the collective capacity to shut employers down when our employers refuse to not treat our members fairly. I want striking UAW members to know that our million strong union stands in solidarity with you in the fight for justice. Your strike is an inspiration and we're proud to support you. Roughly 400 workers at the Clarios Vehicle Battery Plant near Toledo this week voted down a tentative contract agreement by a wide margin, extending a strike that began May 8th. The plant supplies batteries for GM and Ford. Meanwhile, about 160 UAW workers at the Constellium Automotive Plant in suburban Detroit have been on strike since May 17th. The plant supplies aluminum parts and crash management systems for a number of Ford products. Union officials say the workers are concerned about health and safety issues at the plant, as well as management's disciplinary practices. Fain said the two strikes show how the UAW can flex its bargaining power. Stellantis says it has invested in a Silicon Valley startup that is developing lithium sulfur EV batteries. 
Lighten's batteries are made with three-dimensional graphene that promise reduced weight, higher energy density, and a simpler bill of materials. The two companies announced the tie-up on Thursday. They would not disclose the size of the investment other than to say that Stellantis's tech-focused venture capital fund would have a significant role in Lighton's current funding round. Stellantis expects Lighton's lithium sulfur batteries to be ready for production by the end of the decade. And former rivals Waymo and Uber are now partners. Alphabet's self-driving subsidiary will put its driverless vehicles on Uber's ride-hailing and food delivery platform later this year. Uber customers in Metro Phoenix, where Waymo operates, will be able to use a set number of driverless vehicles for rides and deliveries. That's according to a joint blog post by the company's Tuesday. The companies did not disclose any financial terms of the partnership. It's an interesting alliance between two companies that were once bitter foes. Waymo sued Uber in 2017 in a case involving stolen intellectual property. Whether Waymo and Uber's partnership is part of a 2018 settlement over Waymo's suit against Uber is unclear. An Alphabet spokesperson has not responded to a request for comment. And those are today's headlines. Coming up, Jackson Switzer of Redwood Materials joins the show. That's next on Daily Drive. Economic uncertainty, vehicle affordability, and ever-increasing customer expectations are threatening the profitability and efficiency gains you've made over the last couple of years. You may be finding the strategies you've used to improve performance in the past just aren't as effective as they once were. You offer online options so customers can begin the buying process remotely, but your salespeople have to rebuild the deal or correct it during the in-store appointment. You ask your advisors to be proactive about calling customers to get work approved, but still wind up with occupied bays and stalled jobs when the customer doesn't answer the phone. Your business office clerks are trying to process deal jackets faster, but funding still takes weeks. The strategies you've used to improve performance in the past just aren't as effective as they once were. Getting better at outdated and inefficient processes will only get you so far. Let's face it, Netflix isn't a household name because they got really good at mailing DVDs. And nearly half of Apple's revenue comes from the iPhone, not from the computers the company was founded on. These companies evolved as new challenges presented themselves instead of sticking with the status quo. It's time for a mindset shift. It's time to operate differently. Finding new and innovative ways to operate is essential to effectively managing the pressures facing your dealership. Visit reyrey.com slash operate differently to get started. That's reyrey.com slash operate dash differently. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jake Neer with Kellen Walker. Last month, Volkswagen followed sibling Audi to become the second brand to ask its dealers to install metal collection boxes for old consumer electronics. We're talking laptops, cell phones, even electric toothbrushes. The devices are going to Redwood Materials, the recycling business founded by former Tesla executive J.B. Straubel, is best known for its EV battery recycling ambitions, but the company says these other devices actually make up the bulk of its recycling business in 2023. Redwood expects to manufacture roughly 100 gigawatt hours of its own anode and cathode materials by 2025 and believes it'll be able to source 100% of the required cobalt and copper needs for those materials from recycled consumer electronics. Automotive News tech and innovation reporter Hannah Lutz recently spoke with the company's vice president of business development, Jackson Switzer, about Redwood's business. She reached him at Redwood's offices near Reno, Nevada. 
So before I get into my questions, I wanted to get a sense of your background. I looked at your LinkedIn, so I have an idea, but can you run through it with me and explain how you got to Redwood? Yeah, for sure. It's been an interesting journey. So I, um, as to go all the way back, I you know grew up in the Southeast, went to the University of Alabama for my undergrad and actually studied chemistry uh, and then worked for about a year before realizing that like I really was missing the engineering side of things. So I actually went back um, to the South and uh, studied at Georgia Tech and got a doctorate in chemical engineering and then went to work for a company called Albemarle Corporation as an engineer. Um, and it was actually focused on lithium mining and refining. Um, Albemarle is one of the, is the world's largest lithium mining company, which is used in batteries quite heavily. And that's what kind of got me connected to the battery material space and how I got introduced to JB, our founder and CEO. Um, and ultimately what led me to move from at the time, North Carolina to uh, Reno, where our headquarters is located. I've been with Redwood for about three years now. So how did you meet JB exactly? It's, he recruited you? Yes. Yeah. At the time, Redwood was very small. We were probably, you know, less than what I would say 15 people, um, including kind of engineers and, and operators. And we, you know, in essence, just kind of got to talking and got to talking about what he was interested in and what he was working on. And, you know, I was like, oh, I'd love to come see it. So I flew out to um, Reno at the time and and just kind of toured and walked around with him and really like fell in love with the, the, the mission and the vision of, of Redwood around recycling and sustainable battery materials production. From that visit, I remember calling my wife that night and saying like, hey, if we can make this work, we're, we're moving to Reno. So Redwood's you know pretty exciting because of just like the, the material impact that we can like very directly have on the industry, I think. So Redwood, like you said, is widely known as a battery recycler, but you do much more than that. You actually have three business units, correct? Recycling, refining, and then cathode and anode production? Yeah, exactly. You know, we are, I think when everyone hears the name Redwood, you know, a lot of times people first think battery recycling, which is true. Like that is definitely like the core of our business. It's the core of our business because it's where we started. It's where we saw the biggest opportunity and, and maybe the biggest gap versus kind of commercial technologies. What we very quickly and early on realized though, is that battery recycling is actually only just one part of it. You know, if you only recycle batteries and produce an intermediate that is then still shipped to Asia to then be further refined and turned into a material that can actually go back into a battery directly. And then you ship that battery material all the way back to the United States. The CO2 emissions from that shipping alone is actually greater than the CO2 emissions from the recycling process. So it was one of those things where we realized at a systems level, we weren't actually like solving the problem. And coupled with just the tremendous demand for battery materials, you know, that's that's the other thing is like to enable the electrification of the entire fleet, the world and the United States is going to need a lot of batteries. And to build those batteries, you're going to need a lot of battery materials. And that's that's what we're trying to really help impact. I say, of course, in doing that, like we want to integrate as much recycled content as possible. And the exciting thing is like the recycled content will just increase over time. That's what I would say the thesis of the company in the in a nutshell. Yeah, that's helpful when, you know, you're known for one thing, but you do so much more. Can you explain your process of refining? What what materials are you sourcing it and then refining? And how much of it, of it is from recycled batteries versus other sources? Yeah, for sure. So maybe to start with recycling, I think um, when people talk about recycling, they generally like to talk about the recycling process and how the material is, is processed. But the first step is, is actually happens in front of that. 
is the collection and receipt of those materials. It's important to, to also highlight that we recycle a number of different things, everything from an end-of-life EV battery, um, which could be a hybrid battery like a Prius that's sitting at an automotive dismantler, or it could be a EV battery that's coming out of a dealership today, out of a modern EV, I would say, or it could be a Bluetooth speaker or an electric toothbrush or power tool battery. You know, we recycle all those types of batteries. And the first thing we do is our first focus area is just in trying to collect those materials and bring them to us so that we can recycle them. Once we bring them here, the first step is to, um, we have an automated sorting technology that helps us sort by chemistry, essentially, um, which is helpful in downstream processing. So we do some automated sorting and then we do the initial processing, which is just to really inert and break down the battery into its subsequent components, which is really, a, it's an intermediate kind of concentrate type of material that we then further refine. The refining process is where we actually pick apart the individual elements of interest, like nickel and cobalt and lithium and copper. And then the battery materials, the ultimate kind of end goal is to produce one of two battery materials. One is cathode material, that's the part of the battery that contains the nickel and cobalt and lithium or manganese and aluminum. And that sits on one side of the battery and the lithium is shuttling between the cathode and anode. And that's how the battery is working. So that nickel cobalt manganese or nickel cobalt aluminum structure is actually really important to get right so that the lithium can go back and forth. The other material we're focused on is anode copper foil. So it's super thin copper foil that's used in the anode of the battery is kind of a support structure or current collector. When I say super thin, it's only six or eight microns thick. And just for reference, like a human hair is like 70 microns thick. So it's way thinner than you know a piece of hair, uh, which is, is pretty cool to think about that we would produce that at very large scale. So those are the two battery materials that we're trying to get that recycled content into. When we think about recycled content, uh, we kind of work backwards from saying like, hey, we want to produce, you know, in our phase one processes, 100 gigawatt hours of these materials. How much recycled content can we go out and find to fulfill that need? And copper, it's really interesting that, you know, a certain percentage comes from our battery recycling efforts, but the rest actually doesn't come from mined material. It comes from other sources of copper scrap. Um, so think like everything from, you know, construction scrap from wiring, like wiring in your house to plumbing to Christmas lights. You know, all of that has copper in it that we're able to essentially take, recover, and then use to produce copper foil. So our copper foil is 100% recycled. On cathode, it's a little bit trickier just because of the elements involved. In nickel and cobalt, we, you know, today are in the range of, I would say, 30% recycled. But the exciting thing is on cobalt, we're actually up to 100% recycled. And a lot of that is due to the material we're taking in is very high in cobalt. A lot of consumer electronics actually have a lot of cobalt versus the material we're outputting is typically very high in nickel and a little bit lower in cobalt, if that makes sense. Yeah. Is that sustainable? It is. And I would say it's definitely sustainable. The more exciting thing though, is that like as more batteries come offline and need to be recycled, it will grow. So our goal is not to just stay at 30% recycled nickel and lithium. Our goal is to actually grow those percentages over time. You know, that's in drastic contrast, I would say, to mining. If you start a nickel mine, let's say, as soon as you start mining that nickel or the overall amount of nickel in the mine goes down, right? Because you're taking nickel out. Whereas our resource recycling only grows over time as we put more into the market. Jackson Switzer is vice president of business development for Redwood Materials. He spoke with our own Hannah Lutz. 
Keep your eyes on autonews.com next week for more on their conversation and Redwood's business. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jake Neer, in for Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News reporters Michael Martinez, Karn Dingra, and Larry Valquette, as well as Peter Siegel of Automotive News Europe for their help on today's podcast. You can get the latest news on tech and innovation, manufacturing, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. Come back tomorrow for a conversation about using employee referrals to recruit for dealership service departments. If you enjoyed the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.